Hi, everybody. Just a quick announcement before we get started today. If you're a Canadian financial advisor or planner who's fed up with their technology platform or just looking to make improvements in their tech platform, I got the event for you. One of my associations, the Financial Planning Association of Canada, is sponsoring the very first Canadian Advisor Tech Expo. It is a three-day event where you'll be able to see and hear from various vendors and various verticals as to what they have to offer people in this space. So if you're interested in checking it out, please visit the website at www.advisortechexpo.ca. And now on to today's show. Hello, and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today in the show, I have cybersecurity expert Evgeny Karam to talk about general concerns around cybersecurity and best practices, both for end users and for the companies supplying these services in the first place. And with that, here's my interview with Evgeny. Evgeny, thanks for taking the time. Jason, happy to be here. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Yes, well, we typically have conversations once a month anyway, so I just we just decided to record one. So Evgeny Karam, tell us a little bit about what it is you do. Great, thank you. So first of all, I work full-time in a company called Forgery Group. We've been around almost 20 years. Some may know Robert Horjevic from a show called Shark Tank in US mm-hmm. and previously Dragon Den in Canada as well. So we are a cybersecurity company that focuses on cybersecurity only, and we help enterprises on a variety of topics. I lead architecture in the company. I've been doing this role for the last six, seven years. Before this, I used to run around installing firewalls and variety of different network technologies and also running multiple teams in professional services. I've been in Canada for almost 15 years. I'm going to be in a week 15 years. And before I came to Canada, I used to live in Israel, where I work at a company called Checkpoint, and also spent a number of years in the Navy, where I started my IT and cybersecurity career. So you've been involved in this for a very long time, is what it comes down to. Depending on how many dog years you're counting, you know, because it's 15, <laughs> 20 years, but because I am working on this all the time. So it's quite a lot of time. Yep, that's for sure. And so you've seen a lot and we've discussed a lot of what you've seen. So it's been interesting. So you tell us what it is you do and you give us your history. I brought you on the show because security is almost always the first thing that people mention when talking about potentially looking at a new software vendor or whatever it might be. And and rightly so. But I also think a lot of times it comes from a position of ignorance in that it's not ignorant. Oh, sorry. Let me say that differently. Not so much ignorance as fear, right? They, you know, this looks good, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of change and different things. And security is kind of this thing they throw out there. And most people don't even know how to detect the right answer. So let's talk about where the threats are first and what we're seeing. And then we can talk about best practices. And of course, the biggest thing in the news in the last couple of years has been specifically ransomware attacks. We've seen a number of large ones, including on the US, uh, was a natural gas pipeline, or was it the gas pipeline, one or the other. The bottom line is it was it was substantial, as well as countless hospitals throughout the world. Talk to me about how these attacks work and practices around preventing yourself from becoming victim to it. So as a simple, when we say ransomware, is basically somebody was able to get access to your environment. Your environment could be your PC, your environment could be your servers, environment to be IoT devices for your guest gas tanks in any case. In case of them, it was actually access to their accounting system. So they could not do any accounting and billing and therefore couldn't do business. In many other cases, if you're, let's say you're a dentist shop and somebody was able to take your extra systems that run on, on Windows hostage, you're not able to do your job as well. Mm-hmm. But the idea here, we used to call them viruses. Now we call them malware, and there's many, many different names. But I take 
something that belongs to you and you use every day, I encrypt it and you no longer have access. You work in financial. So what will happen, I hope it will never happen, if all your files that are related to your customer will be encrypted, you're not able to do your day-by-day job. So mm-hmm. you day-by-day job will be impacted. Interestingly enough, in the past, people did ransomware on private people as well. So let's say you're a gamer and you play World of Warcraft every time and you spend a lot of money on the game. What if I go and encrypt your save file with all the information about your character, about how you log in? Then you're not able to have access and you're able to play, play your game. But the bad guys quickly realize that this is a very small potato and it's much bigger fish to fry with enterprises and small, medium businesses. Now, small, medium businesses usually don't spend a lot of time and money on security because they think, okay, I'm a very small, nobody will care about me, but they all still rely on computers. They all still rely on connected infrastructure. We don't manually run finance. We don't manually run cases. We all do it on a computer. So if I'm even coming to a garage to service my car and the garage using the computer system to order parts and this system is unavailable, you're not going to serve my car. There are certain simple things that can be done. Of course, there's a big list of, of what else can be done. But on a small scale, you want to have an antivirus or what we call EDR, endpoint detection response, or EPP, endpoint protection, on your laptop, on all your devices. At least if or when somebody will get in, they will not have such an easy time to infect your system. Now, this is a proactive control. There is also another proactive control that you can do is, of course, to have backup. The same as we have, at least I hope so, many of us have backups of our pictures that we care about and we put them on a different device somewhere else because we don't want to lose them. You want to have a periodic backup of the files you've been working with. And ideally, this will be somewhere not on your laptop or not on your servers. This way, if such problem will happen to you, you'll be able to restore information. So this is the basic controls. I mean, in fairness, that's worked in the past. I think one of the big consulting firms was recently targeted for a big one. I can't remember who it was. Accenture. Um, yeah, it was Accenture. Yeah, and there was an announcement that they had been attacked where they basically said we were able to restore from backups and there was no leakage of, of client information. And anyway, so which, <laughs> man, if that had actually stuck, wow, I can't imagine the hit to their business and them coming away from it unscathed the way they did. Talk about a vote of confidence in their services. So Yes, yes, I agree. We can there's also a bad example with Garmin, I believe last year. Garmin had backups, but they couldn't confirm the backups had no issues as well. So they end up paying the ransomware to get the systems and the files back because mm-hmm. they were just afraid that even the backups will not have all the bad guys' information in Active Directory. And in this case, Active Directory is a system that to in charge managing majority of the people users. This is one part. We always have like a different scales of cybersecurity controls and protection. It's the same idea I always say, if you come to an island and you need to live there by yourself, then you probably will build a fence. You will make sure you have a fire, you have a shelter, mm-hmm. and later on you create a plan on what else you can do. Same with cybersecurity. There are minimal things you want to do, and then you want to build a cybersecurity program of many, many, many other things. And of course, you want to create procedures so let's say, let's say you have a, you live on an island and you build a fence and you know you have a gate. If you have a gate, but you don't have a procedure to close the key before you're going to sleep, then the animals will get in. So you want security controls to protect you, but you also want procedures on how to operate the security controls. If you run a small business 
and this business is acceptable to the public and people walking in back and forth, but you never lock your screen, then what's the point? Because if I can now access when to your laptop when you want to the washroom or for lunch break, even you have the security control and the ability to lock your screen, but you don't do this, then there's no point. Because it's a combination between procedures and security controls. So, I mean, the backup piece is so vital. It's amazing to think, and people have a hard time wrapping their heads around this unless they've watched Mr. Robot or followed the various uh, attacks that have been the media. But you literally, they're not taking your data. They just found a way to make it impossible for you to touch it. So it's, it's an interesting part yeah. because in some cases, what they do is they do kind of double impact. Potentially, yeah. Yes, they may take your data because they know you have backups. And they say, if you don't pay the money, then we will make this data exposed to everyone. Yeah. In some cases, they may not care, but in some cases, they may care. And it's, you know, there's, and frankly, people always rant about, you know, where's the law enforcement on this? But the reality is most of these attacks tend to come from overseas in jurisdictions that don't really care. There's even, I mean, I'm told there's even Russia, Russian hacker magazines where they basically post like the, the best hacks that they've had publicly. And Why you always blame the Russians? Come on, Jason. They're always the Russians. Because <laughs> they're good at it. No. <laughs> what can I say? There's actually there's quite hackers a everywhere. Lot of, yeah. There's quite yeah. a lot of stories about Russian Chinese, doesn't matter right now who they are, about companies that have their own HR, their own benefits plan, uh, vacation, <laughs> the whole nine yard, even support lines. There's a lot of information. Support lines? Support lines for hacker organizations? So yes, it happened. And there were stories about people. So let's say you got ransomware. And now the company asks you to forward them like a Bitcoin or percentage of the Bitcoin, and you don't know how to do it. They offer a support line to help you to actually transfer the, the, the funds, the, the money to you, to them, to make sure you get them. So they're quite sophisticated and they will do everything they need to make sure you, they can get the money. And there was also stories about people who get ransomware. And then there was email, oh, sorry, we didn't intend to do it. There was somebody else that was a mistake. Here's the files, how to decrypt it. Or there were stories about people negotiating with the ransomware people about, oh, we cannot pay you so much, but they can pay you this amount. There's quite, quite a lot of different stories. Right now, with the enterprises, majority of them will have cyber insurance. Yes. And the moment after all this will happen, you will activate your cyber insurance. Somebody from the, for the company will come. They will actually call what we call instant response people that will work and negotiate and understand what's happening. There's also quite a lot of rules and regulations. When do you need to disclose what happened to you, depending on where you live? Mm -hmm. It becomes problematic as well. Absolutely. But so... Well, let's. Uh, one thing I want to address here always, because oftentimes people talk. There, there are definitely attacks that are based off of like just hacking through code. Absolutely, but the most common. And correct me if I'm wrong. The most common form of getting into people's systems without authorization is human engineering. Is that not the case? Mm -hmm. So, so, as I always like to say, like the weakest link TV show. Uh, you know, stop. It's not your vendors that are the weakest link. It's typically your people, and this is why training are so training is so important. You've bring in a very interesting point because the month of October in cybersecurity is the security awareness month. So if mm. you're on LinkedIn, you will see a lot of information about people, about passwords, about two-factor authentication that I think it's very, very important. What do you do? How do you connect? For example, as a simple thing, you never want to use the same passwords for your Facebook and your bank account. Yep. And with your bank account, it doesn't actually take a long time to create the factor authentication. And you may say, but Evgeny, it's annoying. Every time I'm connecting my bank, it asks me for a second authentication. 
But it's not because the majority of the system are smart enough to, for example, remember your browser. So for people to actually get into your bank account, they need to hack your laptop first versus me getting your password somehow and connect from a different location. It may be much easier. But there is small steps that you can do to provide and secure yourself. And you brought a very good example about law enforcement. I think we all know that we need to lock our doors before we go to sleep in the door in the house. I think we need to lock our car because if you don't lock your car or leave your windows open, it gets stolen. I don't think the insurance company will pay you. They blame back on you. We know we need to close our windows. So we do certain things in our house because we get used to it. We're still not there to understand the same apply to cybersecurity. There are certain things you need to do to make sure you do the basic stuff, like the password management, like the two-factor authentication, like not to write your passwords on a sticky notes. You can use password management. And if you cannot use password management, yeah. you can write them in a small book and lock the book somewhere else. You know, not just leave it open on a table. There are yeah. small things that can be done. It's funny you say that the sticky note, because the first thing when I get, you know, I'm speaking at conferences and people like inevitably bring up like, what about security? It's like, oh, let me ask you an honest question. Is your, any of your passwords written on sticky notes for any of your websites around your desk somewhere? And then inevitably the room starts laughing and like, don't deny it. I know you all do it. Right. Like that's that's the reality of it. And it goes back to, again, human engineering, reusing passwords, you're using simple passwords. And it's never been easier. I mean, bloody heck, iPhone, like Apple embeds it into their software at this point. Google has a password keeper between Chrome. It's the standalone ones like LastPass, who else? LastPass, password. password and Dashlane, like awesome world class like products. And even then, so you're able to, you're, for those who aren't familiar with that, you're able to have different, unique, complex passwords for every website. So if one thing gets hacked, only the one thing gets hacked, not everything else. And, and if you, you know, with that one, all you got to do is have one complex password you remember and do two-factor authentication. And you are in the top decile of security as a user compared to the average person where, you know, what password one, two, three is still the number one most used password, right? Like you find a pin card on the floor, you can pick, you can put that into a bank machine and, and type one, two, three, four, and there's a pretty good chance you're going to get in. Could be, could be. Now this is related to individuals. Correct. We also speak quite a lot about which emails to click. So simple example, if you get an email about password reset from Apple, for example, don't ever click on the link in the email. If you think it actually happened, just go to Apple, connect normally, don't click on the link. It's a very simple thing to do if you really think somebody hacked you. We're not talking about how I understand the link, maybe the link came from Apple, but just don't click on such links. You can go to Apple Direct. Exactly. Because unfortunately, we get SMS, text messages, and emails about your account get hacked, you really need to connect here, and it's not always came from the reliable source. But I want to switch topics a bit and talk about small medium businesses, about what they do. Well, we were going there, so let's go on to that. The small, medium-sized businesses who are users of technology, talk to me about best practices for how they can protect themselves. So we spoke about passwords, apply to them. We spoke <laughs> about, uh, we actually didn't talk about firewalls and simple security solutions and wireless in the businesses. So if you have a Wi-Fi in your business, you don't also want it to be publicly open. You want to have a password. And if you know if you have guests, don't allow them on the same network as your system, create a guest network mm -hmm. that don't have connectivity to your system because you don't want them to wandering around your laptops and trying to figure out what they can poke around there. There's a simple thing you can do. And even with the majority of the shelf, Bell, Rogers, or other providers, routers, you can separate systems and create a bit more complicated passwords for the Wi-Fi. 
you want to make sure your laptops are locking down the screen, maybe after 10 minutes, maybe after five minutes. This way, nobody can have access. But it's a good practice when you leave your desk, just lock your laptops if people come to your office. The part I want to also touch base is if you as part of SMB have your own software, so you create your own application, your own website, you also want to validate the security part there because now you provide access to other people. And the people that connect to you, you now need to collect information for their connection. So if you create your own software, you also want to have an MFA for the users. Or in majority of the cases, if you can pass the authentication to LinkedIn, to Google, or maybe, maybe even to Facebook, then people can utilize this way to connect to you and you're not going to be saving their credentials. If you do save their credentials, of course, we don't save the credentials. We need to encrypt them as well. And the interesting part about creating your own, your own applications and your own website, there's a lot of API connectivity. So before you publish, before you go and do more with your application, you want to do a web application assessment. There's a variety of tools on the market. Some of them called Dust, Dynamic Access Control, that, uh, that will basically validate what can be done with your website, what can be done with the APIs on your website, how far people can do, because during the creation, during the design, unfortunately, not all the time we can be accountable and make sure we check everything. In the many cases, we call it pen testing as well, is when people come in and try to hack the systems. And dust connectivity and dust dust check is part of it. So API security become an integrated part of any creation of applications you have right now. And after that, it's basically how big is your SMB? Because if you're a SaaS provider right now and you're growing and you start working with other businesses, then companies may start asking you about your secure development. What do you actually do to secure development? Which open libraries you are using in your code or maybe somebody else doing it for you? It's quite a big topic. We actually, as part of the podcast, covering this right now. I forgot to mention that Sidewalk and Hardware oh. Group. Yeah, talk about your podcast as well. we'll, yes. we'll go by all means. So me and my partner for Prime Dimitri, we started a podcast almost 18 months ago around security architecture. And the reason we started the podcast is because we realized how many companies buying solutions and not finishing the implementation of the solutions. They're basically complaining to the vendors that, oh, your solution doesn't work. It doesn't work well. But in many cases, just didn't, didn't finish the integration. I called Shelfer. My party for crime, they call it a security theater when I just buy solutions, but it doesn't actually do what's supposed to well, be done. It, but it makes sense, right? Like if you got to start a technology company, provide a solution, it's because you see a gap in the, you see something you want to build. And how many people truly in this area really specialize in, in security? And how many of those people get hired for, for startups? Like, unfortunately, security is a necessity, but it's like, it's like eating your vegetables. No one wants to eat the vegetables, but they're on the plate and they got to be there and it has to be just right. But like, you're not going to get a top expert in cybersecurity on your initial starting team in order to make sure that you're solved from day one in most cases. So it's not surprising. Pretty much no. And unfortunately, people try to duct tape the security when they're almost done the development on the solution. So what we're doing as part of the podcast, we are talking to many different vendors and asking the questions about integration that we think helping, and we actually get quite a lot of responses that we, we do help to choose a correct solution. So we covered, we did two seasons about working from home, about how to connect securely back to the office. 
right now, we're actually doing a season about application security. So I mentioned that, dynamic application security testing, how to do secure coding, how to utilize the tools you need to create secure applications. That's quite a variety of tools there as well. But it's important because later on, when you create your solution, you start working with other companies and companies who wouldn't want to buy your solution. If you cannot prove to them it's secure, then you may end up in not a very good space. We all know what happened with SolarWinds last year and how people blame them and nobody wants to be in the same boat. I mean, and it's the thing is security is a confidence game, right? Like at the end of the day, I mean, if you have a massive security breach, the amount of egg on your face as a large enterprise going forward is enormous. And everybody, you know, I don't think anyone really buys the game that you learn your lesson. Look, look at the Equifax hack. How callous a hack was that? Outward, po- uh, pace, uh, outward facing a server that the password was admin and the username was admin. Like, how does that even happen? And at this point, you no, know, they're the butt of security jokes. So this is not supposed to be happened, but you know what we see even more? We see even more people working on a problem, the troubleshooting a problem and say, oh, I'm going to create a temporary rule to allow me to connect from X, Y, Z. And when I'm done, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to remove it. But they never they work in, they work, No, they finish. They work the entire night and then they trash and they go to sleep and they just forget to remove the rule or remove this access. And then we this happened. Oh, like, oh, I need access to the server temporarily. Okay, here's, here's admin admin for you. When you're done, let me know and I'll remove it because they're under pressure to solve a particular problem. And then we end with such problems. Pretty much whatever happened in the internet for the last couple of years, everybody will say, oh, if you guys only did this, you will never have this problem. But it's a kind of a two-side sword, sword because they say, but I had no people working on this. My IT security team is very small. There was no budget to buy XYZ. Right now, there's much more awareness. We see 10, 15, 20% of the budget of companies going towards cybersecurity because it's just important. Well, you have to, because frankly, if it's not going there, if you're not protecting yourself from the threats of, that are out there, then you're potentially going to lose your entire business if you're not careful. So we've talked about that. The reality is, I think, if anything, what you said, all these different areas and, and being aware, I mean, isn't, isn't the solution really just being aware that this is something that has to, from day one, be something that is a focus of how you're going to handle your business? Like, it can't be an afterthought. 100% is the same that if you're going to go in the dark during the winter, you're thinking about, okay, I need a flashlight. I need to keep my eyes open because there's maybe bad people and potentially slippery because it's ice for the camp- for the yeah. places where there's ice in during the winter. You're aware. You're thinking about what you're going to do. So you step, you step more carefully. You look around. Same here. You don't click on any links you see. You're asking twice, what is this information just came to me? Or what is this file that just came to me? And when you open your eyes and you think before, analyze, and then click or do something, you probably will eliminate majority of the problems. I mean, you don't have to get to like my level where I basically open up these things in isolated areas with protection and then verify the URLs, if they're actually legitimate or not. And you don't have to get to that level. There was a couple of years ago, there was a very successful phishing scam utilizing Apple as a proxy that I know of several people who basically fell for it. And, you know, they get to thir- the third page of their password reset sequence on this thing. And suddenly they start asking for, for social insurance numbers and social security numbers. And it's just like, you know, multiple people like, why does Apple need this? I'm like, oh my God, you just gave away your, <laughs> like, yeah. what was it whatever you did, it's gone. Like just 
go back and manually reset your your iCloud password for real, but you fell prey to this. It, it's very so, easy to make an email look like it comes from another company. This is why I say, if you have a password reset and you want to do a password reset, don't do this if somebody came over the email. Just go to Apple, go to iCloud. Yeah. And we didn't talk about SMB and email security. It's a very good practice to add an email security provider to your email that will scan the URLs, that will scan the mm -hmm. files comes to you. It's not as expensive as you may think it is. But it's also not perfect, right? So, you know, there is no, I think part of the lesson in this conversation, there is no full delegation of your diligence. Like you have to, you have to take responsibility for basically being your first line of protection, or maybe not the first line of protection, you know, all the other levels of, of diligence and other technology we put in place to prevent that sort of stuff is there. But at the end of the day, you're the last line of defense. And if you're not smart about it, you'll fall prey to some very simple scams. I agree 100%. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody to end on a positive note and get you thinking. First one is, if you had one wish for something you could change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? One thing is people always rushing after a brand new gadget, a brand new technology, mm -hmm. and don't want to spend time to finish the integration of what they already have. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, no one, let's put it this way. When you look at a marketing website, the first thing as a sales pitch is not security. It's never security. Here's our utility. Our utility is security, right? Like it is, you better hit this checkbox. And unfortunately, I think we all assume that it's implied in so many cases. Three. Yeah. Second question. This one's going to be to modify a little bit for you because normally it's about the company as a whole, but because we're talking about general industry, what is the biggest challenge facing cybersecurity professionals today and consumers when it comes to the online world? Oof, it's definitely the amount of information we have, and we just don't have enough time to be aware about everything. There is so much going on daily that uh, one person, just impossible for one person to know everything. So we have to rely on other people. And you always understand that you just not know everything. It's just impossible because there are so many things going on. I hear you. It's funny. I feel like a lot of people seem to have less tolerance for cybersecurity violations than they do others. At the end of the day, there's no system or place in this world that is that mankind cannot crack into with enough motivation. I think it was General Patton who said something to the effect of mankind has conquered mountains and, and the entire earth. Security is fortified defenses. Who are we kidding? Right? Like we're not going to succumb to that. So the the reality is, is I, I often see people get their knickers in a, in a knot about cybersecurity, but oftentimes it might just be easier to break into their actual physical offices. So security is a mindset altogether that should be applied everywhere. And it's something that you need to be aware of as many possible challenges as they can come after you. But it's really best effort. But it's got to be a yes. really good best effort. But you also need to take into account that you may be hacked and you need yeah. to prepare that what you will do if this happened. We talk about oh, yeah. backups, reputation. How do I recover? What do I do? How do I communicate with people in case my system are down? That's it. It's, I mean, it's sometimes it's not even a hack. Sometimes it's your own doing. I mean, we just had the Facebook fiasco of them going down. Yep. That was hilarious. And it was because, frankly, this, the message there was they hadn't thought about redundancy enough because they pushed down a change that cut them off, that not only shut down the website, but cut them off for all their own internal tools because their internal tools were in the same, were in the same architecture. Right. And the only way they could actually even get close to fixing the thing was to physically go and plug into the servers and reset things. But even then, key cards weren't working right because it had been so long. 
long. So redundancy, which is in this case, you know, backups like we're talking about, even the biggest companies will fall prey to some of these things. And if you don't think about disaster recovery the right way, imagine any business losing its entire, especially a services business, losing its entire database of information. Good luck to you rebuilding that. And it's interesting because there are certain protocols like DNS, for example, Mm -hmm. it's such a, the the name name resolution, it's such a global and massive protocol that uh, there was issues in the past but yesterday, it was two days ago, when the Facebook actually happened, was a very good example of how DNS may impact the entire company. Yeah, there's entire companies, basically, that the only value proposition is, value proposition is preventing DDoS attacks, like distributed. So making sure that your, your domain stays up and if someone tries to attack it, you'll still be able, people will still be able to get to your website. So it's not a small thing. And then the last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up in the morning every day to keep on fighting the good fight? I answer the second question is about the amount of information. But what yeah. actually excites me is about how much we can learn how much new things I can learn about how things are actually working, about the integrations that can be done, about the innovations that uh, can change the way we operate. What maybe five years ago will take us an hour to do right now with certain innovation we can do in two or five minutes. So I really like technology in a way that technology will help people. So it's exciting for me to learn about new approach to technology, new invention, like just look on the electric vehicles, what happened for the last 10 years. We've been talking about this for 25 years and now it's happening. So yep. it's very exciting to me to me how it's going to operate and what can be done with it. Drones. Now I can do photography with drones or control stuff remotely. So all this innovation, this what excites me a lot. Yeah. And in fairness, you're in a facet of the technology market that touches all of it. Doesn't matter what innovation we're talking about, security plays a role in all of it. So I'm sure you get to see and learn about all kinds of interesting facts that no one even contemplated. I, the technology didn't exist 10 years ago. I was just literally spoken with somebody yesterday what they do security on firmware of hardware. So they validate the, the chipset of a laptop or network device not being alternated in one way or another. I don't think everybody, anything, anybody will still think about it 40 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was that um, was that that was that was it the false report about the Chinese government inserting chips into certain boards of a certain company. Mm-hmm. Well, that turned out to not. No, no one could find any hard evidence of the thing. But that was a frightening thought. And unless you have a company doing that level of just the most basic architectural form of, of security checking, you're building off. That's that's incredibly dangerous to build off a foundation that doesn't have that kind of security. Yeah. And just let's think about how much we can now do with machine learning. It's not, a, of course, it's not, it's, not, it's not a remedy for everything, but it allows us to do a lot of stuff. I'm personally waiting for somebody to create a machine learning algorithm that will mm-hmm. remove the arms and R's in the podcast recording. So that I, when I record the podcast, I want somebody to go and remove all the arms, arms, and you like from the recording part. I think it can be done if I can show, okay, this is the part that I wanted to remove. I don't want yeah. to do it manually. Yeah. Well, there's actual, there's, uh, there's vendors I've seen do that already, apparently in the first crack. So yes. So Evgeny, thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. Every now and then I like to have a discussion about some of these fundamental issues, because frankly, like it's nice to talk about the wonderful things that are happening out there, but if we don't make sure our data stays safe, you know, we pay a bigger price for being online than not in some cases. So sometimes the speed is also the innovation, like in, in your financial information, financial industry, we, we mentioned APIs, you know, the speed is making everything much faster and better. So Thank you for having me here. It was a pleasure. Excellent.
And that was today's episode of FinTech Impact. I hope you enjoyed that. And as always with this stuff, stay diligent. I said earlier and I fed them, the reality is people are usually the biggest problem. Technology is the second biggest problem, but people are a must, massive, massive, bigger problem than uh, than tech is. So as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify, or whatever it is, get your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.